What's up, guys? Thank you so much for the warm welcome back last week. Um, I wanted to pick up on part of the conversation that we had last week, actually, about worldviews, what they are, where they come from, and how they shape our society. Today, a curious worldview that's been getting a lot of attention lately, the conspiracy theory. Do you subscribe to any conspiracy theories? When I was a kid growing up in Washington State, I desperately wanted to spot Bigfoot. I watched all these weird documentaries on late night TV and had totally convinced myself that he must have lived nearby. (laughs) Never did spot him, but I still keep an eye out. Today, year 2020, it feels like we're living through some sort of conspiracy boom. At least half of the country believes a conspiracy theory. And we've recently learned that about a third of Americans think that COVID-19 was spread on purpose. COVID might be new, but conspiracies? Definitely not new. We got JFK, UFOs, LSD, all three letters, by the way. And yet, today's conspiracies feel more loaded and consequential than ever. If we're wrong, we have a lot to lose, like thousands dying from preventable disease or accidentally falling off the edge of the world. Chapter 1. The Anatomy of a Conspiracy The stereotype of the paranoid, delusional dude down in his basement kicked off in the 60s when Richard Hofstadter famously argued that Americans, especially conservatives, were infected with paranoia. We've since learned that conspiracy theorists are not, you know, this group of tinfoil hat wearing crazy people. They're normal people who are attempting to make sense of the world. In the allure of a conspiracy theory, it appears to increase when society is in crisis. I think the uncertainty, the feelings of powerlessness, the loss of control that people are having, both from the virus and the policies meant to combat the virus, you know, people are out of a job, you know, the economy shut down. Those things are going to play a role in the sense that they may be pushing people to cope with it. And for some people, conspiracy theories may be that tool they reach for. People who wouldn't necessarily conspiracy theorize that much may be pushed a little bit more and may wind up engaging in it. With that said, if you don't already have a worldview that gets you to conspiracy theory, then, then, then simply being uncertain isn't going to do it on its own. This is Dr. Joseph Uzinski. He is a political scientist and he studies, you guessed it, conspiracy theories. Rather than thinking of conspiracies as random fringe beliefs, he describes them as a worldview. In this worldview, a small group of powerful people act in secret for their own benefit at our expense. Researchers have identified five themes that are present in most conspiratorial worldviews. The first, conspiracy theorists don't see themselves as conspiracy theorists. They see themselves as truth seekers, pursuing enlightenment on a journey toward forbidden knowledge. The in-group, the us, is people who share the belief and are also aspiring toward enlightenment, while the out-group, or them, is people who are complacent with the conspiracy 
or the people who are involved in it. Taking action is also central to a conspiratorial worldview. Boycotts, protests, blogging, YouTube videos, these are all avenues to demand justice. Lastly, there's a focus on an idealized future, where the downfall of the evil elites or whoever paves the way toward radical change. As I was reading this, I was like, hmm, this actually sounds like other worldviews that I am familiar with. But like any belief system, it's not always that serious. Plenty of people think conspiracy theories are just a bit of fun, they're entertaining, they're interesting, you know, just a way to pass the time, while others obviously take them very seriously. 28-year-old Edgar Welch was arrested in Washington Sunday afternoon outside Comet Ping Pong, a popular family pizza parlor. Police say Welch drove all the way from North Carolina to self-investigate Pizzagate, a fictitious online conspiracy theory. So I wanted to know, what kind of person becomes a conspiracy theorist? What would it take for you or me to fall all the way down the rabbit hole? So the first thing is, I would differentiate what I call conspiracy thinking, which is this worldview um, from paranoia, in the sense that paranoia is about people in my life are out to get me, right? So it's very personal. Whereas conspiracy thinking is people are out to get us. So rather than just explaining things in my life and how people are interacting with me, it's explaining things that are more out in the world and out to get my group or groups that I belong to. Um, so it's much more political. Um, th than it is personal with, with the conspiracy thinking. So to measure this, this underlying worldview, I use statements like uh, the people who really run the country aren't known to the voters or the recent recession and wars are controlled by small groups of people working against us. So we're not, not trying to measure cons specific conspiracy theories directly, but trying to get under the hood into that sort of latent disposition to accept conspiracy logic when it's presented. So who, who has that? Well, there really isn't a demographic group that jumps out more than others. It's not more Republicans than Democrats. And despite how much Democrats hate hearing this, um, they're the same as Republicans on the score. Sorry if you don't like it. it it's, it's not more white or black or Hispanic or anything like that. Um, and it's not more men than women. Anyone can buy into this. And I think my favorite my favorite example is the show The View. You know, show by women for women, and you know, almost every host on there has engaged in conspiracy theorizing. Like Rosie O'Donnell when she was on it, jet fuel can't melt steel. 9/11 was an inside job, or Whoopi Goldberg was questioning the moon landing. Um, Jenny McCarthy has vaccine conspiracy stuff she talks about. Um, the list would go on. Um, so it's not you know, white guys hanging out in their, in, their, in their basements. You know, Alex Jones is an easy example. And maybe it's the case that some of the conspiracy entrepreneurs fit that mold, you know, like Alex Jones or David Icke. But, but in terms of mass beliefs, no. I mean, the two things we do find are that people who are more educated and make more money tend to have less of this disposition. For reasons that we're not entirely sure of yet, I would like to think as a professor... That it's, you know, we educate young people and they become better thinkers, but I'm not sure that's the only thing going on. I'm sure that's part of it. People who are more analytical thinkers tend to, you know, eschew this style of thinking. But on the other hand, you know, people who have these scientific tools will fall victim to it sometimes too because 
they have the scientific thinking to protect their beliefs and to pick out evidence that supports what they want to believe. I think the best answer I can give you is that, that these worldviews, the disposition to jump to the conspiracy explanation above others, probably stems from, from people's um, socialization, so that something is going on in their upbringing whether it's being imparted by the media, parents, the circumstances they're brought up in, things they're exposed to, um, is going to lead them to have this as part of their operating software. And it's, it's not going to be unlike how partisanship colors how people see the world or um, how their ideological identity colors how they see the world. Psychologists have a number of theories about this operating software. Those who subscribe to conspiracies tend to have lower trust in the government. They tend to feel less in control of their lives, and they may feel more alienated from society. But the exact relationship and you know what's going on here isn't totally clear. I guess where I would start is I don't really know what trust means, right? Like po political scientists have been measuring trust for, for a long, long time, and we you know, say that it's important. Trying to define it is, is a very difficult task. So when we say people trust the government or don't trust the government, well, what does that mean, right? And then if we say, well, does it lead to conspiracy theorizing? Well, maybe, maybe the two go hand in hand or, and aren't really causal at all. Or maybe conspiracy theorizing is leading to a lack of trust. So if you ask a hardcore conspiracy theorist, do you trust the government? They're going to say no. But I'm not, I'm not sure that, that that lack of trust is causing the conspiracy theories or um, that the conspiracy theories, theories are causing the distrust. Evolutionary psychologists add another perspective. They say that as hunter-gatherer societies, conspiracy theories may have helped humans survive, finding patterns in seemingly unrelated data points or suspicion toward a powerful outgroup may have helped us to detect threats. But in modern times, the concern is that conspiracy theories themselves are the threat, and that social media is a megaphone. Chapter 2, Web of Lies. I was shocked <laughs> to learn from Dr. Yuzinski that apparently conspiracy theories don't appear to be more common today than they were before the internet. It is happening now, but I don't know if that means it wasn't happening before. Many of the conspiracy theories we're seeing are just continuations of the same things we've been seeing for decades, if not hundreds of years. This isn't the first disease that has has had conspiracy theories attached to it. I mean, there was AIDS conspiracy theories and bird flu conspiracy theories and Zika conspiracy theories. So um, this is just the new thing to attach um, conspiracy theories too. It's, it's, it's sort of like those Mad Libs that we used to do when we were kids and you just sort of fill in, you, you know, blank, put down here, it's caused by a conspiracy of powerful people. And say, oh, yeah, COVID. <laughs> when we talk about are there more conspiracy theories now, are we talking about more theories, more ideas that have been put forward? Is it that there's more people believing? Is it the same amount of people believing in more? Is it the same people believing in the same ones more strongly? This is never defined, but that never stops people from saying, now is the time, it's the conspiracy golden age, and this is the apex. And if you look through newspapers, you will find that almost every year, journalists say that, going back decades. Hmm, that sounds familiar. In the past couple of years, YouTube and Facebook have received an avalanche of bad press about conspiracy content. Even Congress got involved. 
Do you see a potential problem here with a complete lack of fact-checking on political advertisements? Well, Congresswoman, I think lying is bad, and I think if you were to run an ad that had a lie, that would be bad. That's different from it being, uh, from it, from, for in our position, the right thing to do to prevent uh, your constituents or people in an election from seeing that you had lied. So you won't take down lies, or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no. Congresswoman, uh, in- I'm not talking about spin. I'm talking about actual disinformation. Yes, in a democracy, I believe that people should be able to see for themselves what politicians that they may or may not vote for so are you saying won't take judge them their down. character for themselves. So you won't take, you may flag that it's wrong, but you won't take it down. Uh, Congresswoman, it's, uh, it, it depends on the context that it shows up, organic post, ads, right. the, the treatment is a little One different. question, one more question. In your ongoing dinner parties with far-right figures, some of who advanced the conspiracy theory that white supremacy is a hoax, did you discuss so-called social media bias against conservatives, and do you believe there is a bias? Uh, Congresswoman, um, so I don't remember everything that was in the, send- in, in the question. That's all right. I'll move on. Some conspiracy theories have the potential to do real harm. And yet, I'm also not totally sure that Zucky Boy should be the one to decide, you know, what ideas are over the line. So Facebook seems to be attempting to combat COVID conspiracies by having a dedicated tab that shows, you know, information from the CDC and other trusted sources. Twitter seems to be doing this as well. Meanwhile, YouTube has done a couple of things. I've noticed little explanations below videos about chemtrails, about what's going on. They've also promised to crack down on conspiracy videos by demoting or removing them. But if the fear is that there's a shadow force that is restricting access to information, how effective is it for a giant faceless corporation to be removing random posts? You know, when people talk about the internet, like now, oh, I'm going on the internet to get conspiracy theories because that's all they have there. (laughs) It's like, no, that's not, you know, the internet is just a reflection of everything else going on in the world. I mean, are we really saying that if we took down Facebook and Twitter and Donald Trump that no one would think COVID is a conspiracy? Really? Are we really saying that? And and it, and it's like it, it it sort of alleviates our political elites and our mainstream news and our other legacy media outlets of responsibility. It really does, uh, and, and, and it's almost disgusting. And 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 and. Doesn't rise to the level of conspiracy, but there's clearly self-interest when you have journalists at legacy outlets saying, oh, this is all Facebook and it's all Twitter and they're all radicalizing people. Well, they engage in all sorts of nonsense. I mean, these newspapers have been putting out all this alien crap for the last couple of weeks saying, you know, the military's releasing these videos of UFOs. They know exactly what they're doing and they know exactly that people are going to think that it's aliens and they know it's not. Um, so it's, it's garbage. And then we've had the cable news last few years pushing all this Trump-Russia nonsense. Russia's going to shut off your power and Trump's a Russian agent has been so for 40 years. And it's just like, you know, they have responsibilities too. And they're just kicking it all off onto social media. And a lot of the complaints I see about Facebook are like, Trump lies. Therefore, we have to censor Facebook. Well, no, get a better president. (laughs) You know, blame the person who does the lies. And and that that also takes responsibility away from the fact that your your mainstream political institutions 
are engaging in this rhetoric. The legacy media propagates it too. And I don't, I don't want to say that the internet has no blame whatsoever to go around, but it, it's just a tool to, to spread what other people are doing anyway. And it's not that I think we should do nothing about it, but I think we have to, there's a lot of blame to go around and simply blaming the new technology for an old human problem misses the point. It's an old human problem. Legacy media pointing the finger at YouTube while they air midnight specials about ancient aliens is a big fat lull. The hypocrisy, it hurts me. But at the same time, social media is a very different beast than a newspaper, right? I mean, for one thing, there's no barrier to entry. It can amplify information so much faster. But as I've talked about at length before, I think it was episode four, I'm very worried about, you know, people justifying censorship because of this misinformation issue. Everyone has in their own mind what a conspiracy theory is, and it's what someone else believes, right? It's never their own beliefs. No one says, you should censor my ideas. The censor censor the other guy's ideas. I mean, I, I, when I watch, like, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez grilling Mark Zuckerberg in Congress, and she's like, well, Trump spreads all these conspiracy theories, and other politicians on the other side spread conspiracy theories, and you allow it on your platform. Well, deal with them. You know, you want Facebook to discipline the president of the United States? You're a congressperson, and you're mad about people in Congress spreading conspiracy theories? Patrol what you say on your own committee hearings. Patrol what you say on the floor of Congress. But they won't. And there's a good reason for it, because they know that open debate is, is needed. You can't start censoring debate in Congress. You want debate there. Chapter 3. Real Conspiracies. So our last stop here is the elephant in the room. Once in a while. A conspiracy turns out to be true. The tobacco industry buried evidence that it causes cancer. The CIA gave LSD to unknowing citizens in order to test mind control. And then there was that time that the government pretended it was treating a group of black men with syphilis, but instead was letting the disease run its course in order to see what would happen. History and common sense have taught us that questioning authority, questioning people with power, holding them to account, these are all really important. In fact, I'd argue that they're even noble pursuits. And that means that conspiracies can't be done away with entirely. And Joe actually argues that they shouldn't be. There's a lot of reasons why people believe stuff, right? And if you ask a more normative question, which is, do we want to live in a world where everyone believes the same thing all the time? Well, your Facebook feed would go from being aggravated to being really boring, <laughs> right? And it'd be like, why talk to anyone? Because everyone believes the same things. Um, and, th and this is where, you know, I think it's good. Like many of my colleagues um, are involved in um, seeking out methods to change people's minds about conspiracy theories. And, and I think that's good to an extent. But one thing I don't want is for those tools to fall into the wrong hands where people can just like, oh, well, um, I'm going to cover up my misdeeds and I'm going to change everybody's mind so they believe what I want them to believe. And I don't want I don't want powerful people to have the tools to do that. I, I think it's good that there are, you know, people who will question um, and and disagree. And, and I know that's tough to say now where you have people who are adopting patently false beliefs and then engaging in really deleterious behaviors. But as a general rule, I, I think having the tools to change minds too easily could easily be abused. I think the one thing that we can all oppose is mind control. 
Except maybe for the lizard people. They they probably would like that. What I found out there though is not, you know, academics trying to figure out how to control people's minds or, you know, even change minds really. It's more about giving people tools to help them reveal and even prevent abuses of power. Dr. John Cook over at Skeptical Science argues that the conspiratorial frame rarely uncovers real conspiracies, and that's largely because of the complicated relationship with evidence. What we definitely benefit from are things like measured skepticism, careful consideration of evidence, which includes being willing to be proven wrong, and recognizing then eliminating contradictions in our beliefs. The way I see it, it boils more or less down to this. We all have false beliefs, whether they're conspiracy theories or not. And our task uh, as thinkers and citizens of the world is to figure out which ones those are. Thanks so much for joining me, guys. As always, transcripts, links to studies, and the video version of this episode can be found on my website, LaceyGreen.tv. Take care of yourselves out there, and I will see you in a couple weeks.